Hey there! Thank you for tuning in to Trans Planar RPG! We are an all-transgender, people-of-color-led, 100% homebrew, Dungeons & Dragons 5th edition livestreamed actual play campaign set in an original, non-colonial, anti-orientalist world. I am your Game Master, Connie, my pronouns are they, he, and she, and this is my cast. My name is C, I use they, them pronouns, and I play Okahaye, an Asamar blood hunter slash monster hunting expert. I'm Erica, and I play V Nocturzo, your lovable elf sorcerer slash charlatan with draconic ancestry. My name is Lyra, and I use they-she pronouns. I play Manaya Wairua, a half-orc fighter with a sailing background. I'm Max, my pronouns are they-them, and I play Dewey Quirk, an Aarakoko artificer and researcher on the run from his former employers at the Ohanahi Research Laboratory. You can support Transplaner RPG by pledging to our Patreon. Patrons get early access to episodes, character sheets, high-res assets, and much, much more. As a heads up, this podcast is stitched together from the video of our Twitch streams. I promise the audio quality improves as we upgrade our gear, and I'm so excited for you to listen to this campaign. You can also support us by giving us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. This helps immensely with getting new listeners to find us. So, with that out of the way, here are the content warnings for this episode. Content warnings for this episode include fantasy violence, gore, wolf attacks, and hunger. Also, this episode features the talents of Critical Bard and Gabe James Games, two incredible TTRPG performers. Critical Bard is an actor, vocalist, and Twitch streamer, while Gabe is a game designer, voice actor, and cosplayer. Toss them both a follow on Twitter at Critical Bard and at Gabe James Games. Also, this interlude episode was made possible with a grant from Springboard for the Arts as part of their Artists Respond Combating Social Isolation project. Arc 1 Interlude I want stars, strength, and balance. From yesterday I was the moon by Noor Unahar. On the night of Adolin, and Dake's raucous and joyous New Year's Eve celebration where the veils between the now, the after, and the beyond grow thin, Togos Budal does what he has always done for the past 62 years as the owner and sole proprietor of the Kuvi Hot Spring and Hostel in southwestern Morose. He closes shop, brews some tea, and takes a soak. Togos eases his aching bones into the shallow end of the persimmon spring, letting out a deep, content sigh as hot, steaming spring water pools into the gaps between his shell. The old turtle leans against a frost-bitten rock, one of many in the chilly commune, and turns his amber gaze skyward. The stars glimmer brilliantly in the midnight sky, the constellation of the goddess Neetbuza, one of the eight chief among them, this goddess of ice and thread, shimmering as bright as a promise. Togos is turning to pour himself his third cup of Tulongan tea when the world ends. One by one, the stars go out, winking black in systematic lines from north to south across the night sky. The last thing Togo sees is Nishibuza, the goddess who raised him, by whose starlight he caught his first fish, wove his first scarf, bore his first egg, disappear into nothing. Empty dark swallows the spring, 
the kettle slips in Togos' shocked grasp, and his tea splashes hot against his wrist. Then comes the noise, the snapping, the ear-splitting roar from everywhere and nowhere at once, like the tendons of the universe being gutted and Togos is gone inside his shell, hiding his heart pounding against his chest, and a horrible, impossible thought crosses his mind. This is the sound of the gods dying. The rest, as they say, is history. You know the story. The strange monsters spawning in the aftermath, tearing and ripping and killing in this new dark. The now sunless sky during the blankly bright day. The starless, terrifying night. The absent gods. The clerics and paladins whose magics have vanished. The refugees. The panic. The cults. These next two months are chaos, pain, rage, grief. But Togos has a very different problem. Oka, Manaya, Dewey, and V. The four of you stand in front of a hot spring. It is now Swan's End, two months after the Cataclysm. The end of spring and the beginning of summer, but here in the snowy, ever-frigid commune of Morose, it is everlasting winter. After all, the entire commune is set upon Zima Lake, a vast, perennially frozen lake in the northernmost reaches of Andake that eventually breaks off into the frigid Sigirni Sea. Dr. Hitsagaten Oluso had set up a nice vacation for you, a week at the Kuvi Hot Spring and Hostel, which, as you may have guessed, is a hot spring and hostel, nestled in a quaint little corner of the frozen Zima Lake. But, like I said earlier, there's a problem. My deepest apologies, but the springs, they, well... And Togos gestures toward the hot spring you were promised, except there's no heat radiating off the water, no steam, not even the tiniest little air bubble on the surface. They, well, they're not hot anymore. Well, that doesn't really, that doesn't really change anything, right? We could just, I was, I need a bath, right? I need a bath so we could just, oh God, like looks at their party rather wildly. You don't want a cold bath. How cold could it be? Dewey goes over, walks over and sticks his toe in. Make a constitution saving throw for me. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Uh, Oka is also going to start unbuckling their leather, uh, like the leather armor that they have now uh, on their, like, on their shirt. As you do, a bite of wintry air gusts across your exposed drow skin, Oka, and you shiver. Dewey, what did you get? 16. Why don't you roll a d4 for me? What the fuck? (laughs) I'm sorry. Uh, three? You take three points of cold damage as you dip your talon in and... It's like frost crystals form on your claw. Well, if we're lacking heat, V, could could you, uh... I was just thinking, you know, what, if I, what if I put a fireball into spring? It makes it nice and warm, toasty for like two minutes. Well, no, no, you'll destroy everything, please. This is my, my mother and her mother before that and her father before that. This hot spring has been passed down through my family for generations. Please don't destroy it. 
I'm so sorry it's cold, but I don't know what else to do. Dr. Elusa was a good old friend of mine, so I wanted to do something nice for her friends, and I'm so sorry. It's quite all right. Is there something we can do to help? Do we know why the hot springs are cold? Well, there might be something, but a... Oh, I'm sorry, we're closed. Uh, and Toko sort of, like, looks beyond the four of your shoulders, and maybe there's, like, a moment where all four of you turn, and we zoom uh, to sort of the entrance of the hot spring again, the gate yawning open, where we see two figures with, like, the sunless sky sort of silhouetting uh, their shoulders. Agwoon, is that how you pronounce your name? Agwoon. Yeah. Yep. Why don't yes. you describe to us what we see when our eyes lay upon you? Uh, they are a soft brown-skinned elf. One side of their hair is shaved and the other is in dread, uh, dreadlocks. It's a very androgynous and slender look. They have soft robes on top of like what you can see is a bit of leather armor underneath. And there's a sly smile looking around, probably with a sense of curiosity. And on their skin, you can actually see what looks to be like markings that almost look like stars in the sky reflected on their body itself. Mm, that's beautiful. Uh, and as our eyes like slide to the your companion, who I believe is of the same height and build as you, uh, Adaria, what do we see? Yes, um, you would see someone that if you were to be confused and look in a mirror, you would think it's Agun, but it's not because while Agun has hair, Adaria doesn't. She is bald. Um, she is very slender, uh, wearing bluish black robes that almost fit like a dress on her um, with some silver accoutrements dripping uh, down off of her waist down. Um, she also has a piercing in her nose that connects to her uh, right earlobe with a silver chain. The robes are sleeveless, and if you were to look at her arms, you would see dots that kind of go up with lines connected them, almost like connected dots, um, almost like a constellation. Mm. Um, and she is looking around, same brown skin tone, Elvin with a dark lip because, you know, still got to look good. Um, though she is bald, she is wearing a coven-like black hat that is tilted up. And where Agun is looking curious and interested, she's not looking aloof, but you could tell that there's a purpose behind her eyes as she flits around. So this this party is probably not very quiet. <laughs> we heat up the water, do you think? I believe that would be fun. Maybe. I do enjoy fun. Let's see what they do. I'm going to start walking forward. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll step forward. I was, it's, it's very Gemini. <laughs> um, like, uh, not that they're the exact same type of person, but like right leg goes forward and like, yep. they start sauntering. As we get closer, I'm actually going to cast Create Bonfire Underwater. I think the markings on my body almost flash like it was a shooting star, like the con- like light down each of the markings un- like into the hand, and then there's like a little flash in the spot, and then a bonfire just ignites. Wow. Uh, yeah, bonfire poof, uh, comes to life underneath the water, and all six of you now, I suppose, can sort of see like as the water begins to bubble a little, as this magical flame is like writhing and moving almost in like a hypnotic pattern, uh, as as the water is trying to quell it, because that's what water does. But this is not just any fire, it is magical. And you see a little bit of steam begin to rise from inside the hot spring. 
at, at the same time, you will see Adaria kind of flick her hand. And as she flicks, a spell buckle appear. And she would just flick it open and, like, look. And if the camera was panned on it, you wouldn't see any words on it. Mm. But you will see her stop, smile, pull out a small arcane, like, wisp. And as she draws this constellation in the air, you hear her say, Pictor. As I cast Prestidigitation and also make that area warm up even more um, to, to help the magical bonfire that has appeared. Sounds good. Uh, the flame seems to grow uh, as you draw the sigil through the air and you say your incantation. And then like the ste- steam begins to rise now and a little bit of bubbling begins to appear uh, up on the surface of the water. Uh, as these two elves stride forward and basically look awesome and cast this magic and fix this problem, seemingly, what do the four of you do? How are you reacting? Okay, get my toe in again. <laughs> okay. Uh, Doobie, you dip your talon in again. What about you, Oka? Oka's hands have kind of stilled over their armor, and they have a pretty deep understanding of these things, would I be able to roll perhaps uh, religion to see if I recognize the constellations either on Agun's skin or that Adaria made in the air? I think that makes sense. Yeah, go ahead and make it a religion roll to see if you can see what is going on here, what kind of magic is at work. Uh, while Oka's doing that, what about you, Manaya? I think Manaya might be engrossed in a small conversation with uh, Togos. Okay. Uh, like half paying attention but probably stops when this happens and turns around and... Sounds good. You're just watching. Okay, Manai, you're just sort of, like, watching your head quirk to the side, perhaps. And you, V? is gonna sort of, like, close up her chrysalis robes a little bit and be... She's very interested because since, the, since everything has gone down, magical users have been, like, cut in half. You know, clerics don't have power anymore and stuff like this, so mm-hmm. to find people who have this kind of magic, uh, V's very interested, and she's... I think she's going to smirk at them and, uh, and say, very impressive controlled magic. If I would have done my magic, I would have probably just blown something up. Very impressive, friends. Potentially that could happen later, but I don't think it's necessary at this moment, yes? There's plenty of time for that, just depending on what you would like. <laughs> uh, Oka, what did you get? I got a 16. A 16! Um, in that case... Agun and Adaria, what would Oka notice about the constellations on your skin and the sigil you drew specifically, Adaria? Uh, out of character, I used uh, real life constellations because who's about to make up some? At, oh, no. <laughs> That's fine. Um, she um, manifested the constellation of Pictor, which is basically the, uh, the painter's easel. Um, as she painted a new scene for herself using prestidigitation, you could tell she is based in arcane magic, though potentially studied. Uh, arcane magic. More importantly, studying the stars. Mm. Mm-hmm. And a wound? I'd say um, if they had ever looked at the stars like when they were existing or like a star map, it would almost look like this on um, their body is literally a reflection of what used to be in the sky. Almost like printed on a person. And I'll step forward uh, a little past my sibling and say... Deepest apologies. Uh, we haven't seen folk in a little bit of a, a while. Adaria is the name, and I'll like bow my head a little bit. Manaya, like, pleasure to meet behind you. Behind my sibling, Adaria, and you are? Oh, I, I am Agun. Agun, pleasure. My name is Valerie. 
You can call me V, fine. You, you're friends. I, I have to thank you for fixing the spring. I, my livelihood has been saved. Thank you so, so much, Adaria and Agwoon uh, and Dewey. Uh, as this old turtle is like, is like hobbling forward, like leaning on a cane, like to thank these newcomers for, you know, for fixing the hot spring. Your talon it begins to defrost, like little bits of the frost uh, that bit your foot earlier is like chipping off and, and vanishing in the steam. How long does that bonfire last? Uh, it's just a concentration, so I can just keep doing it, and cool. I probably will. Yeah, sounds good. You sustain it. Um, and Togos, uh, this turtle, introduces himself to the two of you. My, my name is, is Togos, Togos Buddha. Just, just call me Togos or Old Man Toe. Uh, could you do that for the other springs on the property, too? We have four more. No. Ah. Oh, we did I... not come here to be workers. My apologies if that was the assumption you gathered from our antics. Oh, that was actually exactly the assumption I gathered. Uh, but if not here to help, what what are you here for? Well, a bath, <laughs> probably. Oh, yes. Uh, but as you can tell, the state of our hot springs is not quite fit for a bath, unless you want to sustain that spell for the entirety of your stay. It was just for fun. <laughs> and oh. showing off. Oh. Perhaps there might be a way to fix our problem permanently. I know the four of you are from Dr. Aluso. You're here to take a bath, so you might be motivated. The two of you, can I help you? Are, are you looking for something or someone? You can call us curious travelers, wandering until we get to something we find interesting. We've certainly seen some interesting things these past two months. Like what? Well, Why don't we tell you in exchange for your help? in fixing these hot springs. If you know anything about around here, stories are among the greatest forms of currency. I mean, yeah. I do love gold. I do love a good gold. Well, Me? yes, Me. Off. Me? But as of now, and I'm going to cast uh, Produce with a cantrip in my hand, so is magic. And it would seem that... And then I stop talking. Just let that, that sentence linger for a second. The end of Adarius' sentence lingers, broken off, uh, like the end of an icicle, uh, and you allow it to sort of drop and shatter into the conversation, and there's a brief pause. Who breaks the silence? But we are ones that are very rich. These eyes light up a little bit. <laughs> well, anyway, Togos, what can you tell us about the hot springs? How were they built? When did they go out? I've known what I've known since I was but an egg myself. Uh, these hot springs have been in my family's care for generations, like I said. My great, 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 my ancestors, not even great, great grandparents, ancestors, let's say. Uh, there's a myth, a story passed down from my mother's mother to her and to me uh, about how a, a spirit a fire spirit keeps these hot springs going, a spirit made of pure magic and power, uh, residing somewhere, uh, and he gestures, even though this is set upon a lake, 
this isn't just a normal frozen lake like you might find in like Colorado or something. Uh, there are like hills and like formations and divots and cracks and fissures strewn all across Zima uh, that make it less of just like a flat plain and more of like an actual like a space with topography. And he gestures towards some foothills in the near distance. He says, my mother told me and her mother told her uh, that the flames that fan and allow these hot springs to stay hot come from there. And every five years we do a, you know, pilgrimage there to pay our respects to an ancient shrine and to the spirit that looks over a kuvi. Well, I don't know how much I'm allowed to say at this point, but on our travelers we've met some uh, emissaries of the of the, of the gods, and they've been a little restless lately, so... Restless as in... Restless as in... And Oka kind of, like, thumbs uh, this deep scar that kind of crosses their mouth and basically splits their mouth uh, vertically. Dangerous. Well, one who doesn't have that currency anymore tends to <laughs> become... Reckless, as you say. Makes sense. I'm sorry, currency? What are are we talking about? Gold? Something more valuable than gold. Uh, Toko sort of scratches the back of his his bald head with a tortoise-like claw and says, Well, I'm I'm not much of a spellcaster myself. All I know is the hot spring intending to it. But if the six of you could fix this somehow, perhaps do that pilgrimage. I'm much too old to do it myself. I have to take care of my family here. I would be most grateful. Sibling, I think helping them may assist in our research, possibly. You always know what goes on in my brain as out of character. I was going to say the exact same thing. Yep. We could say, like, in-story, you said say at the same time, like, a twin moment or something. <laughs> like a Gemini twin moment. Looks back at the four of them. We will assist. This will be useful for all of us. You all get a bath. We get information. Yeah. We all that get the bridge. Yes, exactly. <laughs> you, V, you're so clever. If you're all ready, you may go. I'm going to stay and ask about the, the pilgrimage and the ritual if... Tokos, you're willing to share? Well, of course. Are you sure you'll be able to catch up with the rest of your party in time? She's got a huge right. leg span. That's true. Like I have to jog to keep up. You are very tall. And Minai, will you remind us how tall you are? Seven and a half feet. Seven and a half feet. Yeah, Toga, everybody. Under, <laughs> just under the threshold for being a large creature. And Dewey, I notice your eyes. I think maybe Algun and Adaria also notice that your eyes glimmer a little at the mention of research. Um, and sort of on this, uh, is the rest of you, aside from Manaya, are you all, like, feeling pretty equipped to head out to the foothills? Or do you want to stay, poke around a little bit more? V just wants to be wherever the twins are. <laughs> Me too. Dewey as well. Uh, Oka looks wistfully kind of back at the warmed bath, you know? But they will, uh, they'll, they'll hoof it along after everyone else. Seeing Oka, um, they can tell that there's a, a, a shiver or, or a longing. They will trace that same constellation once more, and whatever clothes um, they are wearing would just get slightly warmer. Luckily, those of us with currency still know how to use it and pay it forward a little bit. <laughs> I'd, looked, I'd like to look at Dewey and V. Make sure that you don't spend it all. Some currency is finite. 
what is my sibling doing? And then I walk back. Uh, <laughs> my sibling. V is going to, like, get close to Dewey and just be like, I cannot, I, I, love, I love these two so much. They, they're special. <laughs> these are the most capable, most educated. Let's, let's keep up with them. <laughs> yeah, the two of you hoof it along, Oka, in your nice, warm clothes. Now you also follow uh, Adaria and Aguni set out toward those foothills uh, that Togo's gestured toward. Um, and as you go, a light flurry of snow begins to fall. Uh, so let's go to Manaya and Togo's first. You watch the one, two, three, four, five uh, of your companions, old and new, set off as just the, the, the lightest bit of flurry begins to descend uh, from an overcast but ever-shining sky. You know it's about, like, mid-afternoon. It's going to be evening soon when the night beasts come to hunt. So you want to you wanna f- do your business quickly uh, in and out because nighttime now in Ndake is extremely dangerous. Uh, and Manaya... You turn to Togos. Togos is sort of leaning on his cane. As soon as, like, Ogun is, like, out of range, I, I'm assuming the bonfire dissipates. And, like, the steam remains a little bit as a bit of the heat, you know, is trapped in the water, but it begins to dissipate as well. And a chill settles over the hot spring once more. And Togos leans against his cane and sadly and wistfully looks at the springs. Oh, I hope they'll be okay. They're more capable than they look. And those two new companions seem like they know what they're doing. They do, what? but I don't know if I trust them farther than I can hawk an egg. There's something about the way uh, the one with hair smiles. Trust me, I've had my fair share of questionable folk, and some of them are more trustworthy than you think. Uh, shall we? And Manai gestures towards wherever there's places to sit. Yeah, uh, he leads you toward the inn itself, the hostel. It's like an establishment made of wood, felt, tarp, and bone. Uh, he leads you up, like, uh, a ramp that sort of, like, helps him along. He, he, he goes inside and gestures toward, like, mats uh, for you to sit. And there's, like, a, a bonfire in the center. Not a magical one, but, like, an actual bonfire sort of burning in the middle. And you can smell something delicious, meats in a stew, perhaps, cooking up upon the fire. And he gestures for you to sit. Uh, please, please, ha- have a seat. What, what is it that you wish to ask me, Manaya? We've had, we've had some run-ins as adventurers uh, with spirits, emissaries of the gods. The few that we had interactions with seem to have been overcome with some sort of rage. What I would like to know, if you're willing to share, is the ritual. How, how do you perform the ritual? What sort of things does the spirit respond well to? F- first of all... Adventurers sent by Dr. Aluso, of course, are extremely competent, so I'm not surprised to hear that you've had minglings with spirits and emissaries, but you have to know, Manaya, normal people never see an emissary in their entire life. The fact that you've mentioned several perplexes me. A rage? I wouldn't know anything about it. How do you think these hot springs are still standing? Uh, even after the vanishing, the cataclysm. I'm sure that Galtanger and Itabuza's divine protection have shielded us from these monstrosities so far. As for the ritual, I'm not sure of what you speak. You mentioned that your family has made pilgrimages to the hills. Yeah, yes, yes. 
We leave offerings at the shrine. Leave offerings. Yes, at an ancient shrine to appease the spirit there and, and keep their protection over our family's homestead going. Perhaps the spirit is simply displeased. I mean, it's not offering season, but perhaps they want more, especially in the absence. Perhaps. What, what sort of things do you give? Well, and sort of on that, we're going to cut to Agun and Adaria's faces. Uh, as flecks of snow begin to sort of linger on your eyelashes, get on your skin. Adaria, I know you mentioned you have a sleeveless robe on. It's starting to get kind of chilly. Uh, it's like it's like melting against your uh, warm skin and, and the snow starting to fall in a more medium quantity. No blizzard, no gusts of wind, but it is starting to snow. Uh, and, and lagging behind just a few paces are Oka, Dewey, and V. I'll say that um, in this cold area, I would have also prestidigitized my mm. own clothing mm. to keep it warm for the next hour. Look, use these spells like they're intended, y'all. Uh, <laughs> um, but past that, you can tell she's not really that perturbed. It's not that she's not cold. She's just not showing it. But she, once they started to go, she flicked open her um, spell book once more um, and searched and smiled and flicked it away. A note, most witchers can't just flick their spell books mm-hmm. away and back, so it's interesting that she can do it. She would just whistle, a soft whistle, and popping out of the sky, you'd see a black owl. Black owl circles around and lands on my shoulder, and I, Noctua, you might be useful. Thank you for joining us. Um, but this is my owl familiar. Do you control this familiar, or do I, as a GM? You, you, you know what? You have fun. Yeah, okay, uh, okay, yeah. yeah. Take it. Take it. <laughs> uh, Noctua uh, also asks she her pronouns. As Noctua is sort of, like, circling overhead, you hear her familiar voice uh, resonate telepathically with you, Adaria. And she goes, Adaria, the snow is increasing. We must make haste. I know. I know. Do not worry. Oh, uh, but I do. I'll turn to my sibling. She's worried about the cold. Perhaps we should pick up the pace. Okay, okay. I'm going to reach into my uh, satchel and pull out a robe and put the robe on to get myself a little bit warmer. And the whole time, uh, Agoon's been looking around, but you notice that this robe is covered in eyes. And for the first time, Agoon stops looking around so rapidly. But the eyes on the robe, you see one look at you, Oka. You'll see one look at you, V, and one look at you, Dewey. You see one following Naktua. And then Agwoon this time is just actually looking forward and produces another flame in their hands uh, and then holds it between themselves and their sibling. Let us move faster. I suppose I'll focus. V is going to actually use a sorcery point to use her elemental affinity to gain resistance to cold. What does that look like? She's starting to get cold. She's like wrapping herself in these chrysalis robes and she's like sort of reaches down and feels that sort of that weave flowing through her veins, that draconic ancestry. She reaches down, she feels something click because this is actually new magic for her. She like unlocks it and it just feels like she can feel this resistance to cold. So just it feels a little bit warmer than what she was feeling a few seconds ago. The greenish shimmer that is on her white skin just starts to glow a little bit more. Cool. And you don't feel the cold biting at your fingers so prominently and the tips of your exposed elven ears so much anymore. Oka, do we? Oka's a little bit warm now, but um, they consider this brand new tattoo that I think is still healing. 
uh, on their right arm uh, mm-hmm. in the shape of a blade, like completely fill- filled in mm-hmm. with black ink. Uh, and they look at it and they just kind of like flex their palm. Would it, would it be possible, since this is technically my new blood hunter weapon, to use my right of flame on it? Yeah. Uh, still in my body, like to make it basically light my arm on fire. Oh, that's very cool. Yeah, I think you can just do that. So what does it look like? Does your arm just... Uh, I think it actually just, like, the tattoo just kind of turns red, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, it, like, gets a little bit redder, mm-hmm. uh, and then it starts to steam a little. Okay. Uh, and then it, it's kind of like embers, like the like em- like dying embers crackling underneath, like, just in the ink. Yeah, sounds good. The tattoo, which was black, begins to burn red. And all of you sort of see a, a bit of, like... A bit of damage from it. Oh, you say, oh right, because it's still a blood hunter, right? What an edge, edgy class. <laughs> Take damage to deal damage. And you, you, all of you sort of hear like a crackling of embers as Oka's tattoo of a blade that was etched onto their right arm begins to glow and shimmer. What about you, Dewey? Uh, Dewey watches these, his two companions have these like magical resistances to cold and also sees like Agun's eye cloak. He kind of sheepishly just like drapes a bedroll over himself and like pulls the hood down. So like... The eyes aren't looking at him anymore, and also he doesn't have magics, so he, he doesn't have the same fire magic as everyone else. So he's just keeping warm in a normal kind of way. The good thing about prestidigitation is you can technically cast it three different times and have it all active. So myself, Oka, and Dewey, I'll cast oh. it on your on your bedroll as well, just so you can have, be a little warm, a little bit. Oh, that's so sweet. Uh, yeah, Dewey, you feel your ca- the cowl, the makeshift cowl you formed with your bedroll begin to glow. And as you do, as you do all of your little things, the snow begins to fall more heavily. And Agun and Adaria, at sort of like leading the group, you see those foothills begin to ooh, flicker in and out of view as the flurries intensify. I think it might be prudent for us to wait for Manaya. I wouldn't want her to get lost. Is there anywhere to shelter while we wait? Do not worry. A little away from the group, you'll see me flicker out that um, same spell book and flip to a page, and I'll pull out the constellation, throwing it in the air. Um, and as I'm doing this, actually I'm using non-cantrippy magic, you see the, the connected dots that are on her arms begin to glow as I ritual cast Tiny Hut. Hey, that's such a good spell. Uh, that takes 10 minutes as a ritual, right? It does, yeah. Okay. Uh, so the, you begin to glow, and how do you shape the terrain around you as you're casting Tiny Hut? As the tattoos, whatever you want to call them, markies are slowly lighting up, and her eyes begin to shimmer with that star-like essence. The constellation that was drawn in the air begins to take shape. It actually almost forms like a spectral mountain. But that, I mean, it, it's just going to be a dome, but you start to kind of see this, this, this shimmer of what could be, what the actual constellation represents. And as I'm working, you start to see flurries and wind kind of go around. And you will see Noctua just like, uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, yes. but um, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's very fluid, but it's more about the visual versus what she's actually doing. Yeah. I'd like to ritual cast with you, actually, if I may. I'm going to ritually cast uh, Skyrite to say, Manaya, we are in the hut below. Wow. Uh, do these words just sort of appear, like, as a marker uh, above uh, the yes, hut? Yes, so they, they look like they're, like, made of cloud, and then I'm just going to make, like, a down-pointing arrow as well if I can. Wow, it's yeah, so I'll nice. Do, I'll, I'll do a little heart as well, just because it's fun. <laughs> 
Isn't it awesome to have like multiple casters in a party? <laughs> you can just solve the problems of survival and fatigue <laughs> with like. Two I was spells. a ranger for how many levels? <laughs> I'm never this good at surviving. Oh, oh, no. My spells are for ripping people off. So. Yeah, these spells are for killing and ripping people off. Okay, I love that. So for. Y'all see Agun and Adaria begin to ritual cast these spells. You see clouds begin to, like, tear themselves away from the blizzard and, like, form, like, glowing script in the air as Agun is, like, gesturing and chanting, perhaps. I'm not sure what the components are exactly for that spell. Um, similarly for Adaria, you see glowing constellations. Noctua sort of ruffle her feathers a little above head and, like... The flurries begin to dissipate around this this hut, right? This, like, mountainous, like, construction that is appearing out of thin air. And what is sort of, like, the scene we leave the three of y'all on, Oka, Dewey, and V, before we flash back to Manaya? Oka lets their jaw drop, uh, and they have two pupils in each eye, and all four of them uh, widen. And they go, all right, I'm not waiting any longer. I have some questions. <laughs> Dewey? Yeah, Dewey's, uh, kind of forgets to hold up his cloak. It's like, oh. V's gonna pull out a torch, actually, and instead of lighting it, she's gonna use the spell light to make the end glow like she normally does and just, like, stick it in the side of this hut so it's, like, it's, like, a nice little porch light. <laughs> it's your contribution to, to this awesome <laughs> magic that's happening. Okay, and sort of off Oka's, like, I have questions for the two of you. We're gonna flash over to Togos now. Manaya, you have been ladled a bowl of stew by Togos, and Togos is also, like, sipping at the stew as the two of you converse in front of this roaring, real bonfire in the center of this yurt. The offerings we make. Fruits, of course. Meats. Stories, most of all. Everyone here in the commune trades and traffics in stories. A good story is worth its weight in gold, as we say. Please drink some. Have some stew. It, it seems to be getting heavier outside. Perhaps you'd like to rejoin your companion soon? No, I believe in them. Is there anything else you can tell me that will help? Yes. Please, I want to do everything I can. Definitely. This concerns your companions, though, of course. Here we are safe, I believe, because of the protection of the spirit, uh, Shatak, uh, who protects Kuvi hot spring and hostel, 50% off in the cataclysm for lost days. Uh, but out there in the blizzard, there are monsters older than these strange new, I don't even know what to call them, dark spawn? Is that, are we going to get copyrighted for that, Dragon Age? Uh, these strange new creatures and beasts are new and they're terrifying, but there are much older forces at play here. Your companions, especially in the snow, are in danger of and he sort of leans forward. Yetis. They hunt in the blizzard with their pack of winter wolves. They won't do well if they're surrounded. I'd better go after them. Manai stands up. Thank you also very much for the food, for your information. Of we'll course. To fix this. Certainly. And uh, oh, if you see any creatures, uh, uh, capybaras at the destination, don't hurt them. They are friends of of the spirit. Wouldn't think of it. Good. Well, I'll be waiting here for the six of you to return. And as she's walking out towards the entrance, uh, she's going to sort of look up and say, Princess, are you there? Are you talking to me? I, 
Nesta closes her eyes and focuses. Princess, I need your help. I need to find my friends. Do you know where they are? Can you take me to them? As you're focusing on this princess of leaves, this entity, this patron with whom you've struck a warlock deal, you're trying to tap into her power, her magic, but you, you can't seem to get her. She's not gone, but she seems to be resting, tired. Even that conversation she had with you, but three days ago, seems to have tired her out. Yeah. All right. Uh, and then she walks out, and through a combination of instinctively looking up at the stars to navigate, but there aren't any, uh, but all, and also trying to track through your footprints, uh, she'll make her way towards the foothills. Okay, I won't make you roll for it, because I think you can see, because of Skybright, uh, as you step outside, you see, like, half of a message, like, like forming in the sky, and, like, half of a huge arrow and a heart, like, glowing cloud, like, point at, at a point, perhaps, maybe, like, a couple hundred maybe like 2,000 feet away. Uh, and Manaya, you steal your shoulders against the now intensifying snow that is whiffing down from the heavens. And Manaya, as you're trudging through the snow, we go now to Agun, Adaria, Oka, Dewey, and V. The ritual is done. Once I step out of that trance-like spell work, not necessarily tired, but you can tell that it took a little bit, I will say, oh, yes. I believe we should step inside. Luckily, you all are friends now. You actually can do that. And she'll disappear into the um, the tiny hut. On the outside, it looks, you know, opaque, but it's like white with 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 some some flecks of brown, black, and blue to just more blend into the surroundings, especially with the ongoing storm. Mm. But when you step inside, it is clear, but you will see like certain like lights flipping on and out as you see a artificial starscape within the tiny hut. I don't think Agun turns their head at all, but you see the eyes collectively look at each of you like one by one, and then they just say, well, it's cold. Don't stay out here too long. And they walk into the hut. V is going to look at Oka and Dewey, just kind of smile and be like, what do you think of our new friends? Honestly, yeah. It's the closest I've felt to the stars in a, in a while. Oddly comforting. And Oka's gonna get, uh, head into the tiny hut. But they don't really understand magic super well, so they kind of, like, put their hand through first, and then, like, pull it out again. Uh, and then they, like, move, they, like, try to, they just kind of, like, sidle in sideways using their shoulder to go in first. You know, and, like, their head goes last kind of thing. And that's how they get in. I... Can't believe we survived a forty-day journey in the wilderness without them. Uh. Yeah, me neither. Uh, <laughs> uh, do we? Do you say that and then go in as well? Yeah. Okay. The your torch burns as a cute little like front porch beacon as you also follow um, Agun and Adaria inside. Inside, is it like warm? How does I've never had tiny hut used in a campaign of mine before. Mm-hmm. Uh, can, how does that? I can make. I can make it feel however I want, but it typically gets a, a soft, warmth, comfortable inside. Can't really change the ground much, but st- as much as possible. It's easy to relax in. You still can, like, hear everything on the in- outside. So, the, you know, the whirling of the flurries and stuff probably is, is audible. Can it be attacked? All other creatures and objects apart from passing through it. Uh, magic and other effects can extend through the dome or be cast through. So it's just a dome. It can so, be dispelled. Yeah. But sure. no, you hit it, you dunk. There's no okay. armor class or anything. It's just impenetrable nope. until the casting time is up? Yep. Cool. Which is 
eight hours if I want to keep it up. I have to stay inside. So now the five of you are inside this tiny hut. It's warm. It's nice. You can still hear and see everything, which means you're not, like, blindsided by anything. But nothing can get in, right? And you can sort of see, like, the flurries, like, buffeting, forming, like, a spherical, like, uh, dome around where you're standing and sitting. And then all five of you hear kind of a, a distant howl, like a wolf, wolf howl. And it's joined by other resounding howls. And sort of on this, Manaya, you're trekking toward the arrow. Make a perception check for me. It's a seven. It looked like a one. Seven plus five. Twelve? Twelve. Okay. With a twelve, Manaya, as you're, you're maybe like 500, 400, like 300 feet away from this hut that you can barely see. You wouldn't have been able to notice it with your twelve if it weren't for the huge arrow pointing down because it's camouflaged pretty well against the flurry and the blizzard, uh, given Adaria's little flourishes. Uh, but you hear that howl at the same time as everyone else. Uh, and you sort of see on the fringes of your perception darting shadows uh, within the blizzard. What do you do? is going to keep going towards the arrow, uh, but take out her battle axe and sort of spin and look around as she's walking. With your 12, you're not sure if it's the howling of the wind and the whipping of ice or if there's something growling just beyond the boundaries of your perception. And all of you now see Manaya's form emerging from the blizzard with her battle axe out. How long did it take for us to see Manaya's? Like, once we got into the hut, how long was it? Maybe half a minute. Oh, okay, that was fast enough. Expected. Okay, no worries. Oh, okay, cool. Seeing that, I I believe that is your friend, yes? Dewey uh, pokes his head out through the door, like, really quickly, and, like, waves, and then pulls his head back in. Uh, Manai's gonna put her axe away, take one last glance around. Manai's gonna go up to the hut, see the torch, and take it, and enter the hut. Okay. Manaya, as you reach for the torch and take it, something lunges. Big form, it's fur, pure white, mottled gray, camouflaged it perfectly against the blizzard. You don't see it, Manaya, until it barrels into you and its huge snout of this gigantic wolf, perhaps the size of a bear, perhaps a brown bear, rears against you. Still smaller than you because you're seven and a half feet tall, but it's pretty damn big. Rears into you and it's huge, like, snapping jaw clamps down on your arm, and it's going to get you for four points of piercing damage. And another three points of cold, as this, like, magical kind of, like, cold chills you to the bone. And you're, make a strength save for me. Twelve. Twelve! You are bowled backward and knocked prone, as this winter growling, snarling wolf with beaming red eyes falls on top of you. Um, I'm not going to make y'all roll initiative. But sort of as this wolf attacks you, what do the rest of you do? This is not a hit at anyone's abilities, but who might be uh, the less dexterous of the three of you? I'm pretty dexterous. I'm pretty pretty high up there. As am I. Yeah. It might be Manaya. Yeah, yeah, I look over, I look through the hut at Manaya. I'll, I'll look at Oka. Nothing against Dewey or V, but especially knowing that they have the power that they have within them. Um, I think Adarius has honed in. And she'll simply hold out her wrist. One of the um, lights on her constellations begins to glow as she plucks it out. And she hands 
like a magic orb basically to you and like presses it against your with permission presses it against your shoulder and says that might help you a little bit as i cast gift of alacrity on you you can add a 1d8 to your initiative Oh. And end up rolling initiative in the next eight hours. Oh, wow. Okay. The, maybe I should ask y'all to roll initiative just so we can use that. <laughs> do it, do it, do it. The game's like, well, I'm, I'm not sure about that. Well, uh, as I think Oka is a little startled, uh, but they allow Adaria to press the light into their shoulder, and as she does so, a handful of freckles actually, like, ping with the same light across their face uh, for, like, just a second. The scene you are star-touched, too. Interesting. Yeah, maybe the constellation that actually flashes for a moment and Adaria. Roll nature for me as you, as you see the constellation. <laughs> it's a 13. 13! You recognize it. It is one of the eight major constellations. It is not. It is not any, you know, the one that you were thinking of, maybe, a different one flashed on Oka's face. It is the constellation of Sen, who is the god and goddess of change and nature and transformation. Just for a moment, lights up Oka's face. Uh, so now we push rubber band back to the present where Manaya is sort of squirming underneath this huge winter wolf that's snarling and snapping at her. And with this like gift of alacrity within you, Oka, you can feel it. You're very like, go, 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 go. Like It's like liquid mercury sort of like simmering in your veins. What are y'all doing? I would like to cast Speak with Animals. Okay. How does that work? The tattoos glow again. Rather than saying words, and then just going to walk to the edge and ask the wolf why they're so angry. Okay. Uh, as Agoon is talking to the wolf, can the wolf hear you through the hut? Yes, I believe sound can go through the hut. Agoon, as you approach the, you know, and these snarling noises start coming out of your mouth. Very different from sort of like the cheerful, you know, exuberant demeanor you had earlier. You approach the edge. What are the rest of our party doing? Well, I mean, if Oka's like amped up here, uh, I think even before they realize that Agun is doing anything, uh, they see, they're like, okay, Manaya's here. They look away for one second. They turn around, Manaya's on the ground with a wolf on top of her. And they just go, I just wanted to take a bath. Uh, and they are actually going to just fucking launch themselves at the wolf, like from the side. Yeah, I think that's like, that's what this magic is doing. They're like, they're amped. Okay, sounds um, good. Uh, Dewey, V, and Adaria, the three of you here, okay, go bath and then <laughs> launch themselves. I think you soar over Agoon as Agoon's, like, approaching the wolf, and you sort of see Oka's, like, gray body, like, like, fly over you. As this is happening, V and Dewey, what are the two of you doing? V is going to ca uh, cast uh, the Minute Meteor spell, so as you just see, like, <clears throat> she's going to, like, flick away this chrysalis robe. Her hand that has, a, has the diamond in it is going to light up Kelly Green and, like, Six uh, fire uh, meteors are going to, like, pop out and start orbiting around her. Okay. They begin to float around you, like they're orbiting, a, like, a, a neuron star, and you're the, the focal point of this magic, and all of you can sort of, like, feel, like, magic begin to radiate off of V as these, like, meteors begin to orbit her. What about you, Dewey? 
Dewey is on the ground screaming uh, in the corner as far away as possible from where Manaya and the wolf are and where Agun is speaking wolf noises. Okay, Dewey, you're cowering and hiding. Uh, you're letting the mortal, you're letting the rest of these folks like deal with whatever the heck is going on, and you're 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 chilling in a in a hut. You're chilling in the hut. You scrabble I away. Was. Yep, you were, and now you are very very caught off guard, uh, and you sort of cower away from everything that's going on. Okay, how are we going to resolve this? Let's do a goon first. While Oka's getting amped up, right, and, and, and before Oka launches themselves over, you ask, why are you so angry? And the wolf sort of snaps its huge, like, red gaze upon you, Ogun, and it snarls. And in its, like, snarl, like, gnarled speech, you understand, feed, hunger, hunger, starve. Uh, and then Oka soars over your head. And Oka, how I'm going to resolve this with, with the lack of initiative is make a... If you use any sort of dexterity check, if you use acrobatics, I'll let you add a D8 to that roll. I will go ahead. Make an acrobatics check as you're trying to grapple this wolf. Yep. Uh, I also don't think that Oka can physically get over Agun's head. I think maybe they just go... They go past. Okay, you go past instead of soaring over. I thought it'd be cinematic, but yeah, sure. You go past. That's fine. Cool. Let me roll this. That was a fucking nat 20! That was a fucking nat 20, baby! Roll your d8. Uh, to, if if also, you want to. Uh, that is a 27 total. I only a 27? How are you taking the wolf off of Manaya? I mean, Oka's a monster hunter. This is what they do. This is a wolf. This isn't even a monster. They know how to... It's kind of like, you know, cowboys can, like, jump off their horses and, like, get a cow... Like, they can rope a cow uh, into a completely in, like, a way that they're unable to move, like, so fucking fast. Oka does that with this wolf. They, like, barrel into it, grab one leg, pull it to the back leg. They have, like, they somehow got their chain out. They wrap the chain around, grab the other leg, uh, and they are in the snow with it. Okay, you are grappling with this wolf, and due to your high roll, you don't take any damage at all, and it is completely successful. The wolf's maw is snapping, snapping at you, and a goon can hear it go, Oh, pain! Enemy! Enemy! Kill! Uh, as it's, like, snapping and roaring and growling. Manaya, Oka tackles this wolf off of you. You can hear, like, growling and snapping coming from inside the hut, but you can't see a wound because it's opaque from the outside, I'm assuming. Uh, <laughs> what do you do? Wolves travel in packs, and I heard another wolf from inside the tent, so she's going to scramble up as best she can and book it into the tent, or book it into the hut. Uh, she can do that, right, Adaria? Counts as a friend. Luckily, she has one. Okay, <laughs> luckily she is. Uh, you run into the hut, and you see a goon sort of like at the edge, a little bit of the snarl still emanating from their mouth. Uh, Adaria, what are you doing? She is a calculated individual, um, and seeing this one, she didn't, she's not worried about this one wolf, because if they all get inside, guess what? That wolf can't get inside. But she is watching and prepared just in case if anything goes wrong. Uh, Manaya, you see Adaria chilling. You see Dewey not chilling. Uh, you see V surrounded by these meteors that you've seen her envelop herself in before. And you notice that Oka is now on the ground outside grappling with a wolf. What's the play here now, y'all? As soon as Manaya doesn't see a threat inside the hut, she's going to go back out to go help Oka. V is going to shout out, uh, get away from that wolf. And she's going to like take two of the meteors and like be prepared to throw them in her bonus action if there was such a thing. Yeah, I think, I mean, Oka, once they have this wolf 
immobilized on the ground, they kind of like look down and they're like, we're just trying to take a bath, okay? I just want a bath. And they like look up at Manaya. That's all we came here for. I don't want to deal with this. And they like, you know, keep the wolf chained on the ground, but they back off real, you know, I don't think they're very far away from it at all. The, the edge of the hut and I'll kind of back up into it. Okay. Like, and, and pull Manaya along. Manaya, are you coming? Supposedly she dropped the torch. She's going to pick it up and say, V, is this yours? Yes, that is mine. You Thank put you it out. I think the light's attracting them. It was for you. Uh, and Thank you, but... V, um, let's light descend, like wipe away the edge of it. Stops glowing. Like a kind of darkness settles. Uh, this cloud cover from the blizzard or whatever it is seems to be blotting out much of the fading evening light. Um, and as soon as like that light goes away, all of you sort of hear like the wolf on the ground, like oh, begin to whimper as it's like wrapped up in these chains. Um, and Oka and Manaya, you retreat successfully into the hut, and all of you see this like wolf wiggling on the ground. Um, and you see other wolves emerge from this new darkness, but they're no longer interested in the hut. They're all sort of like going like maybe two, three, four other wolves come forward and they're all like nuzzling their fallen companion. Uh, they seem uninterested now in y'all because they can't seem to sense you now that the light is gone. And they're now more interested in just helping their pack member. It may be dark outside, but it is dimly lit inside. The, mm. uh, the hut does have a natural glow, but you can't see it from, from the, the outside. outside. Yep, that makes sense. And for now, the six of you are safe. What impressive little shelter you've got here. Sometimes when you are traveling like we do, it is necessary to be able to fend for yourself versus go into a place that might not care for you. I think there are a lot of places that don't care for you much anymore. Or anyone, really. V is going to stick her hand out, like, whatever direction the the meteors are spinning, she's going to stick her hand out, and, like, one by one, they're just, as they pass into her hand, they're going back... She's absorbing the magic back into her. Dewey, are you all right? <laughs> Dewey picks him up, picks himself off the floor, a little bit embarrassed. I, uh, you know, wolves aren't really canine threats of all sorts. Aren't really my. Can we go? Right, can right. We... Sorry about that. Can we keep moving? Uh, they're still out there. I don't. Are we gonna wait here until they go? It would be wise to see if the storm lets up even a little bit before we continue on. Do we have anything we could make a slit out of? Oka ruffles through their bag a little bit. They pull out, like, a few vials with, like, weird liquid in it. They pull out another chain. They pull out a hunting trap and a bedroll. (laughs) She goes into her pack and pulls out, like, 50 feet of rope and a box of cigars. How many bedrolls do we have? Well, Dewey's been wearing mine as a cloak for a few days now. Do you have a plan, sibling? I do, sibling. May I have some of your rations, please? I'll hand some over. All right, so I'm going to take a couple uh, from my sibling. I'll take three of my own rations. And here is my plan, DM, because I'm just going to tell it to you outright. Go for it. I am going to uh, toss five days of rations to the wolves. I'm going to also cast animal friendship on the one that is tied up. And then I'm going to speak with animals, tell them that I'm going to release them and offer them food if they will take us to our destination. I love that. Okay. Uh, does anyone else want to contribute to this plan in some way or? 
a couple of things. Noticing what my sibling is doing. One, I would press to digitize that smooth to smell like the best steak <laughs> they have ever experienced in their cold lives. If other things are necessary, I will do them as needed. But right now, just helping that initial connection happen. They're better with animals than I am. Sounds good. <laughs> and the rest of you? We ought to ride them then. They're certainly large enough. Oh, we won't have to ride them. We'll be able to glide. Oh, like a vehicle. Like a yes. what? Do we? What's a, what's a vehicle? Dewey dumps out his his bag and it's just like scrap metal and like chunks of just like random metal things. Uh, you, you think this one will work? Possibly. Okay. Although I have something even more interesting than that. Okay. If you would like to see it. Yeah. As, as long as they choose not to eat us. <laughs> oh, if they do, that would be a problem for them, not us. <laughs> True. <laughs> could say that again. That would be a problem for them, not us. <laughs> v pulls out a, two rations, takes a deep breath because it's not in her nature to give things away. She's like, this hurts. She like, doesn't even look at herself giving it away, but she just hands it over to Agwoon. Thank you, V. I look at Manaya, her in shock. <laughs> yeah, Manaya shoulders Oka. That's what we call character development. <laughs> I think she has a crush. Uh, I would I would donate some rations, yeah. I'll keep mine to distribute to the rest of us or the wolves later. And uh, Daria, you, what does press digitation look like as you're making these smell really good? As I summon Pictor, um, it smells like a a nice filet mignon. Mm. No, but like a, a nice medium rare um, oh. a piece of juicy meat. Um, some pieces smell like fish. I was about to say tilapia. Tilapia is not nice. Um, <laughs> like, a, like, a, like a bass or something that's just been uh, pan-fried and seared. Um, some poultry. Just nice, a, a conglomerate of different meats that Adaria has tasted in her life. Um, and you can just see that the essence of stardust upon them. Like, if you look hard enough, not really there. It's not like, you know. And if you can even kind of s- smell that now as before they even uh, are given to the wolves. Yeah, all of you maybe start salivating a little as uh, Adaria casts the spell, and oh, the rations smell really, really, really freaking good. Uh, so Agwoon, you've now got quite a few rations. You got an armful, let's say, uh, more than five days worth, more like closer to seven or nine days worth of rations between all of you. Is there is the intelligence of this wolf a four or lower? I would say it's it's higher than that. Okay. So then it needs it needs to make a save against the animal friendship. That's what I was asking. Okay, cool. So what is the save against? 14. And it is a wisdom saving throw. Uh, got a six, so it soundly fails that. Yes. Uh, so then it lets me convince it that I mean no harm. Yeah, it's, it's essentially friends for the duration of the spell, which is 24 hours, uh, unless one of the companions harms it or the spell ends. Okay. What does it look like as you're casting animal friendship upon this bound wolf? Constellations on my arm glow again, and for a moment I'd say there's almost like a wolf face on the back of my hand, and the woods, the words that come out like almost as a bestial growl. Interestingly enough, part of animal friendship, uh, a material component is a morsel of food, so then like the glowing light goes into the rations that we have, and then I'm going to toss them out. 
yeah, you you just you toss it out, and like the glow seems to like enshroud this bound wolf for a moment, just as its companions manage to break the chain uh, that Oka had wrapped around its legs, and it shakes itself free, and then you see it's all of the wolves turn like at once, you know, and they begin to salivate immediately upon sniffing it and sensing these rations, and they immediately they just immediately dive toward the rations, but the one charmed wolf pauses and seems to be able to like almost sense or see you, even though you know that it can't see you through the opaque wall. There seems to be like a moment of connection between you, Agwoon, and this wolf. Like a fool, I walk just outside. <laughs> like a fool! Uh, is anyone stopping Agwoon? Go for it. I'm watching. He's <laughs> <laughs> um, gonna like close, like walk up to the door and like be very close. Agwoon, you step out. The other wolves, thankfully, are so intoxicated by these rations that they're just tearing into. But this one wolf is looking at you, and you, and it's huge. How tall are you? Let's say, like, just six foot. Comes up to maybe your uh, uh, sh- chest area. That's like, horrifying. Just standing, and it cocks its head a little looking at you. You can see it salivating a bit uh, from the prestidigitized food. And you just hear it say, and you can still understand it because you still have to speak with animals. Active. Friend. Friend? Uh, this wolf sort of snarls, and the other wolves pause from eating to look up, and all of their red eyes are fixed upon you. There's at least, like, six or seven wolves here, and they're freaking huge, uh, Agwoon. I know you're a druid, right? But this is they're still, like, apex predators uh, of this tundra. So they're all looking at you, and a, a few of them have, like, like meat jerkies, like, dangling from their mouths. Um, and the one that you charmed goes, Help. Need. Help. Yes, please. How? We need to get somewhere quickly. Can you take us? More food after help. I have more, yes. Help. Help. And like they all sort of like snarl and all of them sort of like echo amongst themselves. Help, 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 help. And they're all like snarling and sniffling and they all like finish tearing into the food. But you have secured the help of these wolves. I'm going to walk back in. I think we have transportation now. Just want to check. Just just checking really quick that you... They're not horses? No, wolves. Okay. You. They're like horses, but bigger teeth, longer tails, and they bark. You want me to sit on a wolf? Would you rather stay here and let in something even worse? Pick apart your feathers, friend. <laughs> Good time to mention that wolves may not be the only thing out here. Togo's told me about yetis. Oh, yes. Mm. Potentially things worse than that, too, but we might be lucky not to see them. I, for one, based on the things I've seen these last two months, uh, I think riding wolves is not the most strange thing we've done as party, so I'm, one, I'm all for this idea. Dewey, you can ride with me. How about that? I believe time is of the essence. Let's go. Always the tiny talk. hut's gone. Okay, you have questions. Let's ride and answer. Yep, as the winds buffet into all of you instantly as soon as Adaria dispels the magic. So are y'all riding the wolves? Uh, Agun, did you want something? To, you said something about gliding? I, well, I mean, if they're big enough to ride, I, I'm going to do that instead. Okay, they're pretty damn big. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Now I was going to be more extra with magic, but if we can ride him, heck yeah. Okay. Better. I think you can. Uh, so you <laughs> each 
maybe like pick a wolf and you get on. They finish like they they're really hungry. They like finish scarfing up uh, the rations and you notice a few of them like looking at you, Adaria, like hungrily, and you, Oka, Manaya, Dewey, and V. All of them are sort of like licking their chops and salivating, looking at the five uh, of you. Uh, but the main wolf, which thankfully seemed to have been the alpha, uh, is able to go stop. No eating. Help. And then food. Uh, is able to sort of like talk down the other wolves. But all you hear are like growling, hungry growling from these predators. I will take one more ration of mine, cast prestidigitation on it to make it smell anything that's not bird-like. Uh, and uh, <laughs> like, 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 again, like something like a steak or something. And I'll hand it to Dewey. And I say, when you get to yours, uh-huh. feed it so it may trust you. And know that you are friend, not food. Uh, I hold it like it's like it's hot, like away from me. <laughs> yep. And with that, uh, all of you are able to sort of like get on your wolves, get situated, feeding them rations. But the main alpha wolf is like keeping them in check. All of you, it's quite a picture, are straddling these wolves. You hold onto their fur. They dip their heads and they head toward the foothills. And as you're like, I don't know what wolf poof pause sound like in the snow maybe uh as you're like rushing through the tundra and more it's my foley work definitely my strongest suit as a gm making fun of me um blizzards buffeting you side to side but it's not quite so loud that you can't hear each other over the windstorm so what are the six of you saying to each other as you're heading toward your destination. I'll open and say, uh, as we're going, you know, the wind kind of carrying on. I believe one of you had questions, so that might be a good place to start. Oka actually looks rather comfortable riding. They seem timid, but like their body is able to do it. They go, I have plenty of questions, but I don't know if now is the time. The funny thing about time is eventually it runs out. Like many things. Like magic. How do you know, then? How do you know when your magic's running out? You don't feel it, Oka. The instability in the weave. I've felt instability for longer than I can remember. I don't feel anything but. Doesn't seem like something I can focus on, I guess. But that's the problem. When you get used to the instability, you recognize it as normal. And as it gets wider and wider and more cracks form, eventually it might shatter. And you have gods that disappear and disasters that form because the weave is breaking. But the interesting thing is that it starts just like all things do, just like time does. It has a start. It has an end. But things do shatter along the way. And while the divine may have started. When we reach the end, potentially all magic will be gone. For good. There's a reason we've been traveling and we do not tell everyone we see because information with only half of what you need to know can cause chaos. And we are a remnant of the stars in our bodies. Uh, I think Oka looks uh, and gestures toward Agun's uh, like arms and shoulders. That one is Galtanger. And they, like, you know, like gesture on their own body where it would be on Agun. Just because it's fun, I'm going to use a wild shape 
to take a starry form instead. So Agun's entire body looks like a night starscape with constellations all across their body, arms, and the places that you saw that were just plain skin are actually covered in stars. And they pull up their arm to reveal the constellation very clearly now. Yes, you're right. The way my sibling and I operate is pretty simple. They who are becoming the stars themselves to see it upon their skin so clearly. And I who study the weave in the stars and what appears upon their skin to divine what should come and what may not come. With our combined knowledge, it is true. Sooner or later, all magic will cease to exist. What you have now is what is left in this world. I'm more of a past. And I, and I suppose the future. Exactly. What am I going to do when I run out of magic? <laughs> Isn't that funny? Who knows? Let's hope we don't find out. Maybe Oka and I will have to give you some fighting lessons. <laughs> I'd like to see that. Uh, v just... <laughs> He has no response to that. She she puts up her her hood and just continues riding her wolf. On this very shocking and somber revelation, the wolves draw to a stop, and the blizzard begins to die down. The wolves pause at the edge, uh, perhaps 300 feet away or so, uh, from those foothills Uh, You see them now sort of like huddled like a blackened monolith against the darkened sky. Starless, sunless sky. Rising, rising, rising in this like jagged hutch. Up, up, up. And you see like a cavern entrance carved into the frosted rock of it. The wolves hesitate. There's a power in there. Uh, At Adaria, you can sense the weave like pulling at you. There's a power within Uh, these foothills, that is pretty strong uh, and is perhaps keeping these wolves at bay. I think this is where we get off. And where we move forward. I'm going to get off uh, the wolf, and last spell I'm going to do, I'm going to cast Goodberry. Uh, So I'm going to put a little sprig of mistletoe and then, like, drape it across my hand, and as the hand goes by, uh, berries appear. And I'm going to give one to each of the wolves uh, because it provides enough nourishment to sustain a creature for one day so that they won't still be hungry. Wonderful. The wolves immediately descend upon the berries, like crunching it, smashing it against their big teeth, and they gulp, and they shake their heads, and the alpha wolf sort of, like, inclines its head deeply uh, toward you, Agwoon, in, like, a gesture of respect. I bow. Thank you. We will remember your kindness. And I yours. And then I walk back to the party. Mm-hmm. And the wolf lets out a howl, and they all turn, and they disappear into the blizzard. Puppies. Manai's going to sit or cross-legged on the ground in the way that Morosians tend to tell stories and say, Togos told me about what his family did to curry favor with this spirit. To our new companions, we have met some emissaries of the gods. It sounds strange, but with how many times it's happened, it's almost our new normal. And they seem, a few of them at least, have seemed to been overcome with a sort of rage. And Manaya glances at Oka. We are likely going into some danger. Luckily, Togos has informed me of what his ancestors have done to curry favor. They provide offerings. 
of course, berries, meats, and I know we've given a few of ours away, but let's hope we have some left. But the most important thing is stories. My parents have told me stories in Burroughs, and I've been here once before, but... And so I've heard, I've heard well, the stories of how Merosians deal in stories. Currency almost isn't a thing here, but they don't use gold coins. So, anyone got a story to tell? Not here, but to the spirit once we get inside. I think between the four of us, we at least have a dozen stories of just Dabathati. I don't know if our little excursions in the capital will be enough, but we can give it a try. The good thing about a story is that what we might find to be mundane, something else might find to be filled with magic itself. We should also be careful about what our stories are about. If this is an emissary of Nitbuza, it might be a good idea to avoid stories of the gods. It might be a touchy subject for them. That's a good point, Manaya. That being said, and Manaya goes to get up, let us be off. Uh, the six of you turn and face the foothills, and you begin to trudge through the thinning snowstorm. Uh, toward the entrance of this cavern. And as you get closer, the blizzard dies down more and more. But the darkness, the looming darkness stays uh, as we are turning from evening into night. Not quite there yet. It's probably seven or eight. And given the fact that it's now turning from spring to summer, daylight stays for longer. But you only have maybe an hour or two left of daylight before everything is plunged into everlasting night and those strange, dark creatures spawn. So all of you approach the entrance, and now even the magically unattuned can feel like the weave pulsing. It almost kind of feels similar, uh, the four of you, Okamanaya, Dewey, and V, when you stumbled upon the Naga. Not nearly as strong as, as like the gravitational, like a black hole pull of Udabathi's shred. Just a fraction of that power, but there is something in there divine or fiendish, something powerful and magical. Uh, and Agwun and Adaria, you can sense it too, just in your bones, in your blood. Perhaps, are you still in your, like, star form, Agwun? It lasts for ten minutes, so yeah, I probably wouldn't even turn it off. <laughs> Sounds good. Uh, and you're perhaps also, like, illuminating, like, the area because of your star form, which is nice. Uh, your stars... Like spread out light, yep. actually. Certain yeah. uh, constellations, two constellations specifically on your body, Agun begin to glow brighter and take color. One of them glows like pure white, and the other one begins to take on the color of like golden sun rays. And all of you would recognize these two constellations in particular as Nitbuza and Galtanger. Nitbuza is the goddess of the northern tempest of story, ice, and weave, and Galtanger is the goddess of fields, freedom, and the sun. These two constellations in particular seem to be beaming on something within the foothills. And soon, the six of you get to the entrance. Uh, is it dark inside? Yeah, but uh, Agun, I guess you're casting light still <laughs> from your body. Uh, it's approaching the end of the ten minutes, let's say. Uh, so the last thing the six of you see before like, the, the wild shape form vanishes from Agun's body is an ancient shrine. Uh, has been set up kind of inside this cave, cavern toward the back of it, maybe 20 feet in. Uh, a little humble thing. There's no, like, lavish decorations or anything like this. Uh, but you see many offerings that have been preserved by frost, the permafrost in here. You see offerings of, like, 
oranges, peaches, berries, sweets, uh, cured meats, raw meats, just sort of like all around this one shrine. And the shrine seems to be dedicated to two deities in particular. Uh, there is like a, a, a mural in the back of Nichibuza, an old woman uh, with like weaving on a loom, as well as Galtenger, a younger woman uh, with the sun radiating out of her back and huge antlers on her head. These are more abstract than like actual like impressionistic paintings, let's say. Right before Agun's wild shape disappears, I'll say, I'll be borrowing some of that and I'll take two, excuse me, I'll take four different lights from their form as it fades and I manifest it with arcane and I spread them in the air as I cast dancing lights. Um, I love that. To have the starscape above us so we have a little bit of light in here as well. The offering can be food, fortune, or a story, as you say. I wonder what type of story they are interested in. As you're looking around, because you cast Dancing Lights, more of this cavern, let's say, is illuminated. And all of you look down and you see an ancient kind of painting or carving on this icy, rocky floor. It looks like a sun. Uh, like a large sun, and there's like spokes of like the rays are sort of like articulated, and there's a face on the sun as well. Well, shall we sit in a circle and start chanting? Or <laughs> can I? Uh, I'm not going to even ritual cast it just because of time. I will um, use some of the essence of the starlight I just um, created and kind of make a. Um, not really a bubble, but just like an ethereal veil um, as I cast Detect Magic to see if there's anything innate within this rich, within this offering stand thing or anything else in this room as well. Sounds good. Just as so you, I understand what's happening. Sure. As you pull the motes of light down and they begin to like, like travel in a circle around you, you cast Detect Magic. And yeah, you sense magic. Uh, coming not from the shrine, perhaps where you might expect it to come from, but from the carving uh, that the six of you are standing upon. There's something about this magic. It tells you the school, right? When you cast the tech magic. A transmutation. Argun is going to sit down. Shall the elbow sits down. Oka has been hanging back a little bit. They kind of seem a little bit hesitant to get too far into the shrine, but they steel themselves a little and walk forward and sit as well. You said the magic's coming from what we're standing upon? Yeah. Basically what now Oka and several other people have sat down on. The carving itself. And the carving of, of, of the two gods. Just, I'm, I'm just oh, no. My, my apologies. The carving of the sun. With the, the, sun the rays coming out as articulated spokes. I say, that's interesting. What you sit upon has faint traces, not faint, magic in a raw form, transmutation, the sun itself. I wonder why. Sorry, I'm still new to this magic thing. Transmutation? Some magics can be placed into a school, if you will. Transmutation to change one into another. Things like you becoming lighter than air as one casts Featherfall, or someone becoming a rabbit as one casts Polymorph. Now, why would a sun have been transformed? Was it once above? You all know a sun is a star, so that is interesting. She, like, sits down. She's actually, at that point, she sits down, um, takes out her, um, her book, her spell book, out of her pocket dimension, and just starts to um, study and, like, just kind of hone in for a second. 
And if anybody sees a spell book, it is not like a normal like mm-hmm. leather spell book. You can tell that there's a lot of magical properties imbued into this spell book itself. I'm going to also, as I start to do this, I'm going to ritual cast identify on the the ground. Okay. On the on the tab because now I'm like now she's like what is this? <laughs> Go for it. Yep. What about the rest of you? You said that there are spokes kind of like in each ray. Yep. Like coming out on the edge of the one. Okay. Make sure they sit down in like in one ray. You know. Okay. You sit down on one of the spokes. Have you all ever seen like the Rider Waithe uh, tarot deck of the sun? And it's just like a sun smiling, and there's like sp- that's kind of what it looks like, like etched onto the ground. That's like what I'm drawing on. Okay. No, it's also yeah, gonna sit on a spoke. Okay. Yeah, we would do the same. V as well, Dewey. Dewey's gonna kneel, um, like not quite on the the carving, um, just like mm-hmm. right at the edge, and like run his hands over it. Mm-hmm. Dewey, why don't we make an Arcana check uh, as you run your hands over it? And let's say at this point, uh, as a ritual, ten minutes. Yeah, let's say ten minutes could have elapsed by now. All of you are just sort of sitting and waiting for something to happen. Can I also cast identify? Uh, yeah. sure, I guess. Both of you touching this carving, casting the same spell, come to the same conclusion. This is a creature that has been polymorphed. I get up really fast. Okay. I follow the suit. That's what I thought. Mm. Agun, uh, I thought we were going to tell a story. Where are you going? I'm not Jesus. telling into that. Why? Story? Something. Story? 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 Uh, and all of you hear from the cave entrance these kind of high-pitched, squeaky voices. Do you turn? Oh, yeah. Okay. And as you turn, you see a, I don't know what their group name is, Coven of Capybaras, a sort of, like, peek, peering into the entrance with their little, little faces up, and they're all, like, like, they look a little scared of the six of you, but they look almost hopeful as well as you're sitting on top of the, the polymorphed creature. Story? Story? Story. I believe we've dealt with something like this before. Oh, great eight. The cave with the... Um, when I the, glances at, at, uh, at Agun and Adaria. With the, with the ball, remember? You mean when I slipped on banana peel to make the cave open up? Yes. I believe we have a situation like that. Right, anyone got a story? When I sits back down... Uh, this time a little farther away from the sun carving. <laughs> sure. Uh, but still cross-legged. Is anyone else sitting on the carving, or have y'all, like, vacated the spot? I've gotten up, however I am looking at it, thinking about doing something soon. But okay. I will let the story happen first. Sounds good. So, Gwyn's the only one. Are you in the middle of the sun, or are you, like, on one of the edges? Middle? Hell yeah. Okay. <laughs> I love it. V hasn't left either. She's like, whatever Agun's doing, she's doing. Oh my god. Okay. V and Agun, the two of you sit cross-legged on the face of the sun, facing each other. Uh, and just because, yeah, you know, we're just doing things because it's fun. I'm going to cast uh, a third level spell, Summon Fae. Okay. Uh, so a small, like, almost like plant dryad-like creature uh, pops up out of the ground and let's say is almost like dancing around. So there's like a little remnant of colors as it's going around this sun. And Agun just starts, at one point in time, there were two twins. Twins who thought of the stars in just this, a sensation of beautiful light. And as they learned more and more and saw the stars fall, they saw a disappearance of the gods and divine magic. Natural disasters formed and strange arcane phenomena occurred. 
But these twins were curious. Very curious. They looked into these moments, phenomenon, and experiences, the vanishing, but it never felt like that was the end. They looked into it more and more, and they found that the world almost has a wellspring of magic. But that wellspring was starting to dry. Spellcasters who were not divine, who didn't have the same connection to the weave, they were losing it. Because the weave, this beautiful spring of magic, it was not receiving rain. This rain of magic from the stars and the gods. So these twins set out. They had this sense of magic that they'd embraced all their lives and were curious and a bit chaotic, with a hint of creativity. They would go to and from different places to find new companions and potentially new friends until they found a very interesting assortment of folk who had a sense of wit and wonder that made life so very interesting. And they decided to share some of this world with those four because those four had their own story. But the question is, what happens next? Roll charisma. Deal. I guess that would be 21, technically, because I'm plus two. Uh, Agun, as your words sort of ring out in this cavern and then settle. Can I yes. make one side note? Go for At it. the very end of the story, I turn into a capybara. <laughs> like, <wow. laughs> okay, uh, you, your body sort of collapses and then fur pops out, snap pops out, and you're a capybara. Uh, facing V. Uh, and as soon as your story ends, there's a like, question, what next? Lingers in the air. All the capybaras, the coven of capybaras, at the entrance, they fall silent and they... They're like looking at each other, but more importantly, they are all looking at the carving that you and V are sitting on. There's a brief yeah. silence. Does anyone do anything during this brief silence? And I, I want to pull V off of it. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I say, I'll show you what's next. As I extend my hand towards the carving and I cast Dispel Magic. But you see the stars light up on my hand as my eyes begin to glow and I say, and I won't fail. I use my portent of 16 plus four as an automatic 20 if I had to roll for it. Okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, sure. Yeah. Okay. I think that works. Uh, Daria, you press your hand on the carving. You dispel the magic. While this is happening, does anyone else do anything? Oka takes like two steps back. Dewey's backing up to the wall of the cave, but, like, looking back to make sure the wall of the cave is not also a creature. Just so I understood, Agwoon pulled V off the circle? Yeah, yeah. I mean, my body's small, so you might have to help me, but... Okay, so... <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, v is going to take the direction of this little capybara, and uh, can I pick you up and, like, step away from it, so... Yeah, I'm, like, okay. <laughs> so, uh, like, kind of in love with the situation as she, like... Steps away from the circle holding this capybara. I actually need V, because you're the main actor, make a deck save. Nat 20. Hey, who even hey. needs the auto crit when you have that? Okay, uh, you take the capybara and you step outside of the sun right as Adaria. And then all of you sort of feel like a snapping of the weave around you. Not in a bad way, but like like a hand is running their fingers across a tightened loom. Uh, and then you hear like, ding, 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 ding as the carving lights up 
in a blaze of fire. And like some fire rises uh, from, from the spokes, from the face, from the outer rim. And then the carving rises from the ground. The fire shimmers over the top, forming a metallic cast as this carving floats, floats, floats and turns so it's, it faces all of you. And it looks like a metal sun. Uh, it looks exactly the same as the carving, but it's made of pure metal and it's shimmering heat. And it begins to spin. The face remains stationary as the spokes of the sun begin to spin and the spokes turn into pure flame. And like a very pleasant, it's not scorching like you're gonna take damage, a pleasant blast of heat comes out uh, from this mini metallic sun. And why don't all of you roll religion for me? You got a 17. 17? Nat 20 for a total of 23. Oh my god. Oh wow, 19 for a total of 23. I also got a 23. What? (laughs) (laughs) Triplets. Manaya. Oh. Well, Dewey. Ten. Ten. Aw, too bad, so sad. Uh, Everyone except Manaya and Dewey can sort of recognize that the power emanates. This is an emissary, first of all. Uh, and if folks are unfamiliar with what an emissary is in Indake, it is basically like a magical creature that is inherently morally aligned and serves a particular god. So this is sort of how we're dealing with demons, fey, angels, like celestials, stuff like that, and like the typical Dungeons and Dragons monster manual situation. Um, this is... Thankfully, based on the fact that it's not attacking you, probably not an evil emissary. Uh, and it's, it's spinning slows down and it begins to ro- rotate. Manaya, even though you rolled not the best, you can tell this is Shatak. This is the emissary, uh, the spirit, right? The guardian of the hot spring, the Kuvi hot spring. Um, and it begins to rotate slowly. And those of you who rolled really well, you even recognize the kind of emissary it is, what species it is. Is it a demon? Is it an angel? It is actually what is known as a dugui, uh, which is an elemental. And based on its, its you know, motif and its pattern, it serves Gaul Tanger, the goddess of the sun, an open field. I'll simply say in primordial. Mm. We thank you. Oh my god, you can speak primordial? Okay. Many things. Okay. You say we thank you, and this creature, it, it turns on like an axis. Spokes seem to glimmer a little. And without, its face doesn't move at all. It still has that smiling countenance. Uh, but all of you hear like telepathically in your heads. In common, the common tongue. I must thank you for waking me. From this slumber. Something told me you were not here of your own accord. I figured I'd fix that for you. On the contrary, I placed myself into this slumber to protect the people I have sworn to defend. But upon waking, are things better now? You see that Adaria's face doesn't drop, but doesn't change, which indicates something good. Mm. While you slumber, things were worse. Oh, God. <laughs> and as you have awoken, I fear that the steady decline is still happening. However, while you slumber, those you protect have been worried, unable to fend for themselves. The faint essence of you still thrives, but they need their guardian. So we were sent 
in hopes to restore. Hopefully that was not the, the wrong choice and against your own wishes. Uh, this creature, Shatak, responds, I see. It is my only directive in this life upon the now to protect the people of the Budal family. Those who have rescued me when I was but a young moat upon the now. Rescued me from a terrible demise, I now swear my fealty and my magic in their service. The great ancestors of the Budao clan were those who helped me, and now I dedicate my life to helping them. My magic is weaning. It is leaking. It is leeching out of me. I have lost my connection to my goddess, Galtanger, and I cannot even sense her beloved Neat Buza. And this is some, like, extra fun lore. It is, huh, this is news. Uh, the fact that Galtanger and Neat Buza could be involved is definitely news, I think, to all of you, probably. Um, and Shatak continues to spin, like, regarding all of you, like, turning on its axis, its vertical axis to regard all of you. Um, and all the copy bars are like, oh, oh, Shatak, Shatak, they're back, they're back! Like, they're all, like, at the corner, like, it goes, there is perhaps a way for me to continue to protect the defenseless. Give me some of your magic. I will look at my sibling and say, this should not hurt us, and this might answer more questions that we have as we travel on. I hop off V's shoulder and turn back into a person. Okay. Um. <laughs> we. <laughs> Unless... Uh, DM, you're fine with me just talking as a capybara. Up capybara. to you. If you want to talk yeah. as a capybara. I absolutely do. Okay, yeah. great. Well, that's true. And if this is a slight repair to it, that's more knowledge than we had before, which means we may be able to repair other leaks. Yes. The two of you are very intelligent. I had sensed this, as had many other emissaries. Now that the cataclysm has happened and the gods are gone, magic is finite. The magic that flows in your veins as druids and sorcerers and wizards to be able to tap into the arcane and natural magic that still lingers in Endake, it is finite. Consider your bodies vessels. Some larger than others, like mine, able to hold more reserves of magic. The more powerful, the more talented, the more gifted, the larger your vessel, the more magic you can hold. But still, the magic is finite. But still, you may transfer magic between vessels. Pour some of your magic into me, so that I might continue to defend the people I have sworn to protect. You will see Adaria's arm begin to glow. Any recognition? My capybara eyes will start to glow. I can't. (laughs) (laughs) I love this. (laughs) V um, hesitates for a moment. She like is looking down. She's like, finally, after like a few moments of silence, she holds up her hand and she allows her gem to start glowing. Kelly green. And she takes one last breath and walks towards this son who contributes some magic. Okay. 
Dewey also steps up. Oh, I guess you have magic. Yeah. I always forget as an artificer. Okay. Uh, yeah, you step forward as well. Oka? I guess blood hunting. Yeah, that's also magic. I genuinely think that Oka doesn't know how to control their magic so much as to be able to give it away. Sounds good. Okay, that's fine. So Oka, you're just like not sure if you can. But Dewey and V, you join Agun and Adaria in stepping forward. So how this works is you can declare a percentage of the magic you currently hold that you wish to give away. For example, if you say, I want to give away 10% of my magic. What this means is, from now on, every time you cast a spell, you roll 1d100. If it's 10 or lower, you are no longer able to use magic. You've run out. Like, ever? Until you figure out, there's, there could be like, before, but you won't be able to cast a spell, and you'll have to figure out a way to get more magic. Oh, so like... So the lower so like, the number, the higher your chance of being able to continue to cast spells. You can even give 1% and have it be like a factor of 99 Gotcha. Yeah. I love being a guest right now. <laughs> I know, right? I know. <laughs> I was like, um, I don't think Oka knows how. But Adaria, this is what she studied for. And not saying she, I mean, this is one emissary of many, so she'll be smart. Uh, but she will give 5%. Okay, 5%. Agun, how about you? <sighs> that sucks. Go to somebody else first. <laughs> okay. Do we? How does um, the emissary look after. Adaria gives some Adaria's magic. Adaria's yeah. Okay, yeah, let's resolve that first. So Adaria, you tap into your well of magic, right? What does it look like as you're gifting Shatak some of your power? Um, the So, like, Agun has, like, you know, a star map and all over their body. I just have simple connected dot constellations. And you see, like, 20 of them glow. And as I give 5% away, one snuffs out forever. Mm. So now whenever they glow, you will never see that one glow again. That's awesome. Okay, you panned over this gift of your star, and as it ping, pings into Shatak, they, the wheel starts spinning faster, and they glow a bit. They go, ah, thank you, young one. But they look mostly the same as they continue spinning. I need just some more. I ask how much more? Uh, Shatak pauses and says, the magic that has been given to me is enough to sustain my protection for perhaps a week more. Give me more magic. I can protect them for longer. So let's say it translates to 5% to, is equivalent to a week's worth of help. That's fair. That's not very long, though. When can we fix all of this? How like, many yeah, weeks will it take? Yeah, Adaria's like, but you, you are of one, you're one emissary of many. Yep. Uh, and you're to be that person. Your only, your only job is to protect one thing. We're mm-hmm. trying to fix everything, so you're not getting all of my magic. That, I mean, do you say that straight up? <laughs> oh, no, that's that, that I thought. No, okay. No, no, no. <laughs> okay, sounds good. Yeah. Um, I mean, but she, uh, you know, I, I, I'll reconcile it like this. I will say, I would give more, but respectfully, the world matters more than one hot spring. But I can give what I can. I understand, and I will not force you to give more. Oh, CB almost came out. I almost said, don't worry, you couldn't if you wanted to. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what's going to happen. Agwoon steps up and then looks at Dewey and V. I'll give enough for each of us. And Agwoon gives 15%. Whoa. Okay. What does it look like? Do constellations snuff out on your body too? I'd say like... Not even just the constellations, like the star map that is on their face specifically, wipes. 
as if peels off of your face, let's say, and it floats towards Shatak, and boom, and then the glow is huge, boom, the wheel spins, and it goes, ah, yes, yes, thank you, young one, I shall have enough energy to protect these people for at least a little while longer. If you, if you can reduce how you do it, it will last longer. I know. And then we, or they, may be able to resolve it. Yes, my child, thank you, thank you. My gratitude is depthless. The, like, spinning slows down a little, and it says, In exchange for this help you have rendered me, I shall impart a crucial piece of information before I enter my slumber yet again, but an empowered slumber, one that might protect those I love. There is an ancient evil in the heart of Endake. Why do you think we have been lashing out for years and years before the cataclysm? There is something rotten at the core of our realm, something alien, something that must be burned. An ancient evil who drives us mad. Um, the spinning slows down. Shatak begins to even out and begins to float down back toward the floor. Can you please return to your form? Or have, have you done that already? Or are you still damn capping I'll go back. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'll just make sure my sibling's fine. I'll just care for them a little bit. I need a nap. This whole time, Oka, I think as soon as Shatak arrived, uh, Oka took several more steps back and has just kind of been at the edge of the cave, like, with, like... Uh, their hand is shaking. Mm-hmm. It's like over their chest. Mm-hmm. But as you know, this all kind of slows down. They're going to move forward just a little bit to uh, Adaria and Agun. I, I think the world would be a sadder place with less magic in it. I can try something kind of scary. Okay. What? There's plenty of it, right? know what happened last time. Yeah, well, I'm fine. This is what I do. Uh, and Oka is going to, like, let their consciousness fall deep into, like, deep into their chest and ask, Vinash, can you hear me? You feel something in you stir, but there's no verbal reply. A little bit more. A blessing. Uh, and they're just going to, like, reach out one hand, like, offer one hand to Agun and Adaria. You're trying to replenish their magic, basically? Yeah. Okay. I'll allow you to do it, but you know the price. I do know Roll 1d6. 1d6, baby. Uh, it was a two. Uh, so yeah, you were, it works, because Vinash is a, is a huge god, like, a, one of the eight. Adaria and Agun, the two of you feel, like, magic, like, blast back into you. It's almost violent. Because this is Vinash, the head of destruction, right, of Udabathi, this three-headed god of war. And it, boom, it puddles into both of your souls. And almost like painfully, forcefully, your constellations light back up. Almost like electricity, sparking onto your skin, etching it, tattooing it back onto you. That was not necessary. But it was amazing. I just want to take a bath. And, and without you two, I wouldn't get my fucking bath. <laughs> and on that, uh, Shatak 
sinks into the ground. All the capybaras rush forward and they swarm all of your feet, like hugging and go, yay, yay, you saved the day, yay. Like they're all like hugging and I mean the fans demanded. They're nuzzling onto you. Um, and on that scene, we are going to cut back to the hot spring. That evening, let's say. Uh, even though there's no stars in the sky now, thanks to the magic you've donated to Shatak, a feeling of like like protectiveness, almost like a, this is like a huge tiny hut that's been placed uh, over the hot spring and the hostel. Uh, even though it's dark out there, there are like lights and, and fires lit all around these hot springs, these five special springs. And now, uh, Togos has been so grateful for all of your help for, for bringing, as soon as basically, as soon as Shatak sank back into the floor, into the ground, the hot spring started working again. And this like magical aura of protection boom, revitalizes itself around um, the premises. So I think like, I know we're a little past time, so what is sort of like the last sort of like scene or conversation that we leave our heroes on enjoying the hot springs here? V is actually very sullen. Uh, she's learned a lot of intense things about her, you know, magic, and she is... Um, yeah, so, she, you know, she's enjoying the hot springs, but it's very, like, sullen. Dewey's got some kind of a similar thing going on. He's, you can see him at one end of the hot springs by himself, just kind of, like, fully clothed again, just sitting there, like, <laughs> staring into the nothingness. So um, you're clothed completely in the hot spring? Yeah, yeah, he wasn't really going to... That's fine. You know, Whatever's strip into a bathing suit. Sure. I mean, um, they, they, they've... Pr- you will have the chance to wear special hot spring garments if you don't want to be like completely nude aside from your undergarments uh, provided by uh, Togos if you want to take them. Okay. okay, you're wrapped up in these like nice like cloth uh, tunics. It and... looks very comfy. Yes, yeah. you look comfy. Okay, so looks very comfy. Uh, which <laughs> uh, contrasts from the he just like he looks like he's seen some shit, which he has. Yeah, all um... of you kind of have tonight. Oka comes out to the bath area just with their cute little bathing shorts on. They have an, like armfuls of whatever like meats, foods that they could get from Togos. They regard Agun and Adaria gently and they kind of look at them as they get in the water, you know, sighing with relief. And in the center of their chest is a huge scar. Uh, that like extends from their navel up to like their mid uh, chest. It like kind of originates uh, in their solar plexus. Just a like huge scar, and in it are kind of like these veins of gold. They look at the twins and they say, "You know, I was thinking about what you said about magic shattering." But uh, and then they like turn and look at V, Dewey, and Manaya. The glue in Undake is surprisingly strong, even if things fall apart. And they kind of like, you know, trace one of the lines. Things can come back together, but I'm not optimistic. And they like, you know, splash off and start, and they just like, they lay in the water. Adaria, you know, has, is sitting down, feet are like in the hot spring. The reason, at least the reason I decided to speak to you all is that something told me that you would be amongst those to help with this situation, not those who would run in fear when we give you said information. We, well, I, 
but I assume we have other places to go, more places to travel, more information to attain, potentially more emissaries to find. The weaver's breaking whether we want it to or not. At some point, it will run out, but as long as those like us can prevent that as best as we can, then perhaps Andake will be just fine. But just like the stars, one by one, blotted out and left us with the cold night sky, I'll manifest my constellations on my arm. They're not gone. So just like magic is leaving, it's not gone yet. Agun will be looking for a small bird or something in the area. Um, chirp, chirp! A sparrow lands. Perfect. And I'm going to cast Animal Messenger uh, and give it a message. Elf friends are waiting at the hot spring with more food. And I'm going to send them to go deliver that to the gigantic wolves. Brr, brr. Are you sure? Wol- wolves? They won't eat you. Tell them, to tell them that we have food. They'll be fine. Am I? Am I the food? No, 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 berries, berries, I promise. I okay, promise. I'll trust, I'll trust a word on this, but, uh, I hope, I hope, if I die, my blood is on your hands. Uh, the sparrow <laughs> flutters off uh, and flies. And, and then I'm walk over to my sibling. Our ride will be arriving shortly. Um, you all are very interesting. Curious. My sibling mentioned something that would be good, and I will say she was very right. I suppose I have another story to tell. <laughs> Curious. And then just sit next to my sibling, almost like matching movements so wait for our wolves. Mm. How awesome. What an awesome exit. <laughs> Bore upon wolves. That's dope. And of course, last but not least, Manaya. For a few minutes of this extremely serious and extremely introspective sulking and mulling around and being all wistful and horrible. Manaya is thinking, this one's supposed to be a fun trip. And she looks over at Dewey, wistfully looking off into the, into the sky or whatever. And she squints her eyes and she's like, no, if it's not going to be a fun trip, I'm going to make it a fun trip. And she's just going to take her whole arm and splash Dewey as hard as she can. <laughs> and start like a water fight. Dewey, you squawk. Uh, splashing, splashing occurs uh, in this particular spring. Uh, Oka's, yes. Oka's all in. Yep. All in. I, th- I'm going to turn into a capybara again. <laughs> and then I'm going to cast my level three spell title. Wait. <laughs> <laughs> like yeah. raise the water level by 10 feet or something? <laughs> it can be up to 30 feet long, up to 10 feet wide, up to 10 feet tall. I guess, I mean, it's not even, like, mechanically correct, but as the water's being splashed, you just see, like, a shimmer of stars appear as I'm casting shield, like, no. <laughs> no. You're not happening. Just around no. yourself, Adaria? Or around other people as well? Or are you just protecting yourself, Adaria? Oh, just about me? No. Yeah. <laughs> no. Just around me. There's the CB coming out. Yep. You all see the, with the water rise and it's splash across everyone. Uh, the copy bar of riding this tidal wave, like maybe laughing. Oka buffeted. Manaya buffeted. Dewey buffeted. V buffeted. Uh, Daria fine. In the midst of the eye of the storm, just water crashing against uh, her shield. 
a nice little glass of wine, just like, uh-uh. Yeah, you're <laughs> sipping some Merlot. Just like, some Merlot. Some Merlot. Yeah, Merlot. Merlot. Uh, you, know, you know that, like, Elmo meme in front of the fire? Like, that's me as a capybara. Yeah! yeah! <laughs> that's awesome. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of Transplaner. Please consider giving us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. This helps so much with getting new listeners to find us. Music is by Connie Chong, CIS, and Fezlian Studios, used with permission. Audio mixing is done by Mike Graham. Give Mike a follow on Twitter at OMikeGram. That's O-H, Mike, M-I-K-E, Graham, G-R-A-H-A-M. Soundscape design this episode is by Vincent McElroy of Heroes in Progress. New podcast episodes drop every other Tuesday. If you can't wait that long, tune into our live stream Saturdays at 3 p.m. U.S. Central Time on Twitch at TransplanerRPG. Also, toss us a follow on Twitter, Tumblr, Instagram, and YouTube at TransplanerRPG. We also have a Patreon. Patrons get early access to episodes, character sheets, high-res art, and much, much more. And finally, a very special thank you to our Patreon paragons. Abigail Rytel, Azra, Brooke Bright, Cassidy Barnes, Charos, Chiacres, Cora Eckert, Lex Slater, Moonflower T, Purple Mouse, and Risa. <laughs>